Welcome back to the movement, guys. We got my beautiful guest here, an up-and-comer right now. He's going to beat Harvey Specter and everybody else. Louis Litz in his back pocket. This is Sami Aborob, one of my fellow kings. Thank you for having me, man. Habibi. Well, that's an honor. Habibi, bro. Well, I've been wanting to have you on. I was excited about today. I won't lie to you. I've been thinking about it all last week since diabetes. I kind of stopped calling. <laughs> by the way, please, please, everybody, don't call him diabetes. Or Daoud. he's going to go by Daoudsu Kerry. Daoudsu okay. Kerry, the king. The king, bro. Medical Gaman. You know, I was actually excited to show you this. Eh? I actually got them today. They finally came in? They finally came in, man. I was actually super pumped to show you these. We finally got them in. We got the we got the Martin Broder here. I'm going to move this up a little bit. I wanted to try the Torpedo. I haven't tried one yet. Okay. We'll find out. We got the Davidov. The Grand... That's the one, the Grand Robusto? Exactly. The Robusto. This one's beautiful. Okay, and I said, you know what? I'll take. That's amazing. It looks sick. It's like a golden. It's amazing. High quality, quality. You're gonna have to move the mic. I think I can match you, eh? It was rolled on the thigh. This one, hundred percent, bro, on a beautiful one too. You got an Alec Bradley. Okay, I'm not familiar with these. To be honest, Alec Bradleys were very nice from from. Which one's Thought, this one? So nice. that one's okay, this one's from Honduras. Yeah. Okay, this is that. So that one's the Alec Bradley Genesis. This is the the temp, the Tempest. This is the Tempest here, man. The Tempest. Well. Okay, and this is some Escobar, Escobar cigar. Excited to try that one out too. I'm sure. And bro, you gotta you gotta go. This is also a nice roll. This one's bro. This is a quick. Romeo El Julieta. Another classic. Exactly. Number one. So we're going to enjoy these later on, eh? He smelled great. You're done. So you're done. Are you ready to smell? I know. I, let me, hold on. Let me get this one back first. The Romeos always Let's smell see. fantastic. Oh, well, I am excited. Honestly, very good, bro. They even put Bovida's, uh, the humidity controls in there too when they shipped them off. Oh, not bad. I don't understand what they're doing with the humidity control if they're already in the packaging, but... Yeah, I didn't. I'm sure someone that smarter than me will. I didn't understand that either. We'll explain that one. Even though, even the Romeo and Julieta that's in the container, uh -huh. I didn't understand why yeah. they put that in there. Sami Aborob, we're here to hear your story, my brother. My story. Who are you, man? Tell us all about Sami Aborob. Give me all the juice in the world. Well, man, I grew up in a very humble household. Mashallah. Came out of uh, out of South Keys. South Keys, yeah. another fellow. From the Ottawa South. From Trappers Park. <laughs> Bro, Alex Nasrallah, my boy, was from Trappers Park. We did the episode number, what, three or four? Yeah, super hectic place to grow up in. I mean, especially it's like a zero to like 13-year-old. It was that, rough back in the days. It was bad at one now. point. I don't like, know was, about now. But. There was problems. Every neighborhood has its issues. I'm like, getting everybody from the hood on this thing nowadays. <laughs> I didn't even know you are from the hood. <laughs> Look, we left when I was still like 13, 14. And it's then, still a good amount of age. Though. Yeah, and my parents were like, Yo, okay, it's time to bounce to the suburbs. Thank God. That's it. I hated the suburbs, though. Me too. I think the suburbs are the worst place to be. You know why? You're not inner city enough to do any of the cool fun shit. That's a fact. And you're not far enough out of the city to do any of the cool fun shit. Like, you can't be a country boy and you can't be a city boy. You're stuck. The best part about the hood I found is the fact that you get to chill with all the boys 
everybody's your age you have a good time i remember we used to sit on my cousin's couch and watch national geographics bro yeah like are you serious yeah. and then yo let's go play ball balls right there go hiking you know have fun that's it do whatever like from the time that we moved out of south keys that was the biggest shock of my life because i went from like triple xlt's oh and like, my <laughs> like riding my bike with my boys and then we went straight to the suburbs and i was so out of place it was like someone dropped me in like the savannah that's crazy. It was like everyone was wearing like DC shoes. I mean, I grew up in Payless. Yeah, literally. <laughs> you know, look at her. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> that's hilarious, man. You used to wear the tall tees? Yeah, man. You know, it's funny. I literally grew up in the epitome of the era of the tall tees. I never, never. I always used to look like a miniature gangster. Swear yeah. to God. Like I was in the mob. I was too infatuated by. Uh, the funny thing is, I was the tiny. Columbos and those guys. I was a tiny kid, man. I was like, I was always the shortest one, like the run to the pack until like my parents sent me to the Middle East. But then we came back and I was okay. I grew a foot. When did you go to the Middle East, by the way? After Four, 13, obviously? I was, yeah, I was what, 14? Okay. 14, 15. They're like, yo, bounce. Where? They sent me to Kuwait, Syria, and Jordan. Who has the best food at all three places? Yo, you can't, like, each one is beautiful in its own way. You no. know what it is? Surya, you can't beat their kitchens. Like, especially when it comes to Laban or anything like that kind of tabiq. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, their, their shushparak and their yalanji and all these things. But then when you go to Amman, you have the mansaf and you have, like, those really I love like, mansaf, heavy, bro. hectic dishes. But all mansaf is not the same, but continue. It's not. Definitely like it's not. actually, I didn't even realize that until I had a Jordani <laughs> one, Jordanian, then I had a Palestinian one, and I'm like, bro, there's actually a difference. There's, it's very different. It's just different in the way of like, like is a kesaru if they break the yogurt down with, with like milk or other yogurt or whatever, or if they're just gonna use a jamid ala aslo, you know, like as it is this, from the rock, and then they break that down. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. <laughs> I guess some good my favorite. <laughs> so Kuwait, Syria. Yeah, and then Jordan. Uh, and Jordan. Yeah. Right. And then that's it. What were you doing there? Visiting my grandfather. The legend. Yeah. The real Sami Abu Rabb. The OG. The <laughs> may, may you rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you went there. Was that just to see what the culture was like? Yeah, man. I think my parents were worried I was getting a little bit too whitewashed. So they're like, yo, send them back home. Let them learn the language, the culture. You know, I could speak Arabic and everything. But they're like, yo, they wanted me to... We have a word in... In Palestine, it's like, you know, right away. They wanted to like grind, grind it into me. They didn't think you could do that here. They could, but I think it contributed a lot to like my love for the culture because I got to experience it firsthand as a child. I think that made a huge difference. You know, I'd, I'd gone with my parents to the Middle East before yeah. on multiple occasions. But until that trip, when I was old enough to kind of really... To, to walk around by myself, to go and do things on my own, to take the micro from Duma to whatever, to Halab or whatever. You know, all those small things that make up the day-to-day. -day. I was basically living there for two and a half months. You had a blast. That's it. So when I came back, I was like, Captain Palestine. You know? <laughs> I came back in my, my fake Burberry shirt. That's hilarious. White pants. Well, uh... I still remember when I went to Lebanon and I was 10 years old and I, I saw Adidas. I, I didn't realize this. 
but they had the four lines. I think Adidas yeah. is three lines. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember when I put them on and I came back here, I thought I was like I was the coolest shit down there. That's the Adidas. That special. was the Adidas, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was. I remember the guy is like, look at this guy. He has four lines. Did you what? What did uh, what did they make a new line for you? I'm That's like, what it. are you talking about, man? I look, it says Abidas too. I'm like, what a joke. <laughs> uh, so you went there. You obviously, you got educated there as well. In the Middle East? No, no, that was just like my summers, basically. Oh, that was just vacation time. That's it. My parents literally just sent me away for the summer. They're like, yo, go go kick it with your grandfather. My freshmen's in Bel Air, bro. That's it. Who doesn't want to be the freshmen? That's it. I felt great. That was used to call me the Kennedy. I'd be walking. I around. hated that line. I hated way. it. It pissed me off. Yeah, me too. I used but to then f- I grew into it, you know? Thank God I stopped. I think uh, I'm so gra- I'm grateful that you said something. Hey, so you're the Kennedy they called. Yeah. I'd be walking around. Hey, Kennedy is Kennedy. Hey, okay. <sighs> it's so upsetting. Yeah. Okay. So after you come back, obviously. Yeah. Well, I hit my growth spurt. Barhaven. Came back. Grew up in Barhaven. Barhaven. Ended up going to Carlton. Do the whole four years at Carlton. And then I decided I didn't want to be in Canada anymore. So I said, okay, let's bounce to the UK. I went and did my law degree in the UK. How is the UK like? It's a lifestyle anyways, you know? Yo, lifestyle, it's like European, but not European at the same time. British people are very interesting in that sense. They're uh, In what sense? Sure. Give us an example. They're very cold, man. They're cold people. They're like not super welcoming. They're a little bit like oh, yeah? standoffish. But at the same time, once you get to know them, they can be the friendliest people you've ever met in your life. Interesting. But it's to get to that point with them where you can kind of break down their walls because they're, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes and we use stereotypes for a reason. Sometimes it's like British people are penny pinchers. They can be cheap. They can be a little cold. And those things are all like true in their own sense. You know, like oh, one, you've just pissed off every Brit. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Man, my first week in the UK, I got stuck. And I don't know if you like in Arabi, we have a saying, Mishbin, that's not between us. It's not between us. You know, whatever. I don't count the balances between me and my friends. If I pay dinner, he's going to pay dinner. I don't keep a running tab in my head. So it was my first week in the UK. I went down to the shop and I had made a couple of friends already at this point. Nice. I was stuck. I, I was like 10 pence short for my milk. Like I was literally just buying milk and, and pence, eggs. I'm guessing a sense. Yeah, right? pretty much, you know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm like literally 10 cents short And I happen to see the guy that lives on my floor And I know him I'm like yo Joel uh, Could you just let me some change Like whatever if you have some change Can I borrow it from you Okay no problem Gives me 10 pence I pay my guy Go upstairs And then it's like two weeks later I'm walking around And Joel sees me I'm coming back into the compound I had like a student compound He sees me and he's like He's like oh hey Sammy how are you Oh yeah good 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 Everything's going well Yeah yeah so do you have my money? No way. I was like, I hadn't I don't know how to act. I was like, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, do you have my 10p? You know, they call like the P, the pence, whatever. Okay. He's like, do you have my 10p? I'm like, I, I'm trying to remember what I owe him for, you know? Like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you remember like two weeks ago you were stuck, this, that, the eggs, the milk. I was like, oh. So I didn't know what to do, man. I just like, I checked my pockets. I had like, like actual, like one pound. So I just gave him the pound. I'm like, here, man, like, that's keep insane, it. Man. <laughs> it was the happiest day. He's like, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to give you the 90p back? I'm like, bro, just, just keep it's it. It's like that? Yeah. Man, imagine something. You gave somebody a dime here and you're like, yo. It's down you got, you to got the that penny. D for me, bro? Yeah, it's down Actually, to the penny. That doesn't even sound. <laughs> it doesn't even sound nice, bro. Oh, you got that D for me, man. That's the first thing you can tell somebody. 
You're looking to get a sexual assault lawsuit. <laughs> Please call, better call Sammy, you know? Better call Saul for that one, bro. Uh, that's a fact, man. That's crazy. So he literally came after you for the 10P. And yeah, this was like a recurring thing the whole time. So me, as an Arab, with my generosity, I was paying for a lot of people. But then when they would pay for me, they'd actually hit me up and be like, hey, you owe us X, Y, Z for the meal or X, Y, Z for this or for your share. I'm like, and then towards the like halfway through the first semester, I was like, yo, I'm done paying for people. That's wild. Eh? Yeah, unless I knew that they were they were like me, which would be other Arabs from outside of the Engl- outside of England, basically. Because yeah, we do have a habit of, um, you know, you go out, ah, leave it to me, leave it to me. You grab exactly. the wallet, you try to pay. Yeah, I've never seen someone put his wallet away so quickly, man. I'd be like, hey, I'll cover this one. You, all the wallets disappear. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane, man. I don't. You know what? The one thing I find very, I I won't lie to you. I don't like cheap people. It's very frustrating. It's very disgusting. It's a very ugly trait. Being cheap is a very ugly trait, and especially when the ones that count favors at all times. Like you just said, there's that saying, it's not between us. It's not between us. But honestly, I find it's a very ugly trait. Like how yeah. many times, I used to be in the same position as you. You know you know how many times, I took care of everybody, bro. Back in the days, I took care of everybody. I used to have people coming to my apartment in tears. Oh my God, what, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Khair, Shufi, what's going on? Talk to me. Oh, my parents, I don't, we got an eviction notice. Why'd you get an eviction notice? You didn't pay rent? Yeah, man, it's been two months. I think it's after 45 days. I don't know. 45 days or 60 days. And I'm pretty sure after, yeah, honestly, I'm pretty sure even after the first month. Yeah. After you it's broke the first into 30 month, days. Miss rent, then they give you a certain timeline. Long then, story short. Anyways, oh yeah, no problem. I act like, you know, I'm just listening to the story. I'd be like, I'm going to go take a leak real quick. I go into the bathroom underneath the sink. I used to have a, a place, a little, like a little spot where I used to put cash. Yeah. And I saved the deposit box. I go count the cash. Go back. Here you go. Go pay the rent. I don't want to see the parents homeless. Oh my God, man. Thank you so much. I love you, man. You're the realest, bro. You've always been there. Okay. Yeah, cool. Go, go. Go pay the rent. They call me. Oh, I get a call from their house phone. Mm. <clears throat> Why you call me on the what number is this? It's the house line. Why you call me from the cell phone? I couldn't afford the bill. I'm yeah. telling you, I used literally like that, bro. Every time we'd go out, I pay everything, shisha, whatever you want to do, yeah. fit the bill. I I shit you not. I remember when uh, everything went sideways for me, and I remember I didn't have any more money, and I disappeared for like a month and a half. I didn't say shit because I was always the one that took care of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to have to let anybody in and what's going on or whatever, whatever the reasons were. Anyways, I remember I finally answered the phone. One of my buddies, I'm not going to, well, he's actually not my buddy anymore, but at the time being. I answered a call and then, uh, hey, what's going on? He goes, I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in a while. And the nickname was Frankie before, right? Yeah. So anyways, Frankie, it's been a while, whatever. What's going on? I miss you, man. Where you been, bro? I'm like, listen, I'm going to shoot it to you straight. I have nothing left. You know what I mean? Bro, I remember I was living on Chinese noodles for like a few months. So how many of those people stuck around after Fuck you told them, them that? Stick around. I don't want them to stick around. I couldn't believe what he, the next word that came out of his mouth, I blew my lid. He's like, oh man, that's uh, that's terrible. I told him what happened. He's like, that's terrible. Call me when you're up. No way. I'm like, if you have balls, you'll come to my face right now. The, it's the lack of like, me. the lack of karame. I don't know how you translate that word. but Dignity. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Good grace, uh, good fortune. You know what? That's um, it's ugly. It's a, it's a very disgusting thing when they remind you. Oh, what are you talking about? You like that, bro? Don't you forgot I got it for you last week? 
That's crazy. Yeah, bro. I know you got it for me last week. I'm saying I like it. I don't understand every two seconds you're throwing it in my face. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay, bro. You're not going to get the bill. Come on, bro. I got it for you last week. That's crazy. Yeah, I swear to God. I swear to God. That's a disgusting trait. So you continue anyways. I don't know. I alhamdulillah, to man. All I can say, alhamdulillah, God's put me in a place in my life where everyone I'm surrounded with is fighting for the bill or fighting every single time. It's truly become a situation where it's not between me or any of the people I'm with. You know what, though? I understand a lot of people being like, you know, I don't want to go for the bill anymore. Because it just gets complicated at some point. Yeah. To be honest, one of my boys, actually a very good friend of it's till this day even now. Pay your bill, I pay my bill. Yeah. I'm like you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't care, whatever. He's like, I've done it for too long. Honestly, it's just complicated for what, bro? Halas, let me get what I want to eat. I don't have to feel bad buying whatever I want. He's got I'm a like, point. That actually makes it a makes lot of sense. sense. No, that's the thing. It makes sense. Yeah, because I'm like, you know what? Maybe I want this appetizer. I want this appetizer. <laughs> and you're like, man, fuck. If he's going to be paying for it, I can't even order that. Why am I even here? I'm like, I swear that one was genius. So I right, go back to I want to know more about you, Kel. I've been interested in European culture. Yes, it was. The, I think one of the nicest things about being in England specifically was that it was like a melting pot for all of Europe, you know? You had a lot of people from Italy, from Germany, from Spain, France, all coming to England to study. And I find I traveled a lot throughout Europe and I didn't see as much of that kind of like mingle as much as I did in England. Right. Like in Italy, you'd be surrounded with like almost exclusively Italians in France, similarly with the French people. That's interesting. Or alternative Moroccans in France. But in in England, no, it's genuinely a melting pot of Europe. It's kind of like what North America is for the rest of the world. Oh, really? So that was nice in that sense because I got to meet a lot of different people from a lot of different nationalities, from different backgrounds and cultures that otherwise I would never have gotten the chance to meet. And I think that was fantastic for me personally because it really opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Which football team do you watch? Who's your team? Oh, man. This Start the controversy right now. <laughs> what football team? You? This one hurts, man. I'm a Manchester United fan. Man, you is going in the dumps right now, eh? It's not going in the dumps, bro. It's been in the dumps. Every Man City fan, please make a comment at this point. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> listen. Dude, I was, Liverpool's coming up. I was studying guys. in Leeds the whole time, so at least I got to see Leeds go from Div One to Premier League. You know, yeah, I, I watched that, that happen live. That's man, that that's was right great. There. That's an accomplishment right there, man. How was that though? Actually, watching one of I've never watched. Bro, I don't even want to hear Senators or an NHL game. Let's, uh, let's talk about diehard football fans. How was that, watching a game? Yo, you want to hear something crazy? I love crazy. I spent two years in England. I never watched a Premier League game live. Cut the cameras. <laughs> shut the mics off. I'm leaving. <laughs> Seriously? I'm dead serious. I did go and watch a Camp New game, like a Barcelona game live. Interesting. But I never watched a Premier League game. How long were you there for, by the way? Two years. Like on the dot, pretty much. Years? Yeah, 2017 to 2019. What did you call last time? Red Bricks? Yeah, I went, so I went to a Red Brick University. Um, there's a couple, Oxford, University of Leeds, University of Manchester, and then a handful of other ones. I think I think Exeter, no, York might be on there. Which one did you go to? University of Leeds? I right? went to University of Leeds. How was that? Great. I had never been challenged academically like that in my life. And you were taking? Law. Yeah, so Where's I, the love of law come from? Where? Well, man, like, there's no way anybody's gonna go take law to be like, you know what? It's a good career. It's gonna make money. I kind of like. So okay. when I when I was leaving high school, I was in a weird place because my grades were shit. I was doing terribly. 
my last two years of high school, I was taking a bunch of like fluff courses just to get my grade up. Yeah. So it was like outdoor education and like outdoor education. Yeah, man. I you went, just made that up. I, swallowed, <laughs> I went camping in high school. Like, and it was serious? like, I got graded for it. It was great. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> wow. I spent five days in Algonquin Park. That's just stupid. I don't know who gave the teacher the clearance to take a group of like 15 students to Algonquin Park solo for five days, like Are overnight we? camping with canoes and shit. But whoever came up with that idea, be honest it was a good time though, that five it was days. great it was fantastic oh, it must have been a blast 100 yeah it was like life-changing yeah, for <laughs> sure. it was great man <laughs> okay so red bricks i want to know about this lo- okay so continue sorry yeah so high school i took one like law course essentially and there was uh well me and that teacher always used to butt heads because i found the class a little bit too slow from like pace wise so I didn't want to be there. She wanted me to stay in the class. Long story short, she to encourage me to kind of pull my weight a little bit more. She's like, yo, I want you to be the captain of the moot team. So moot in law is like when you go like you go to practice court, or like fake court, essentially. And then you I watch shoots. Yeah. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you get like, well, for your viewers, you know, because not I everyone's going to be I'm just having fun. But what's it called? The, the mute, the moot is you're going to get a case and then you and your team kind of become either the the defense or or the offense essentially and then you argue your case in front of like a fake court that's what it was so we actually did surprisingly well with me leading the team and it was a great time well I had I I got to go down to the courts on uh, Elgin Street we went inside presented our case in front of real judges it was a blast oh really yeah interesting and uh, I think we ranked like in the city like second or third place behind Glebe High School really. So, like, that was, like, a huge achievement for us, especially considering half of us were burnouts at the time. <laughs> and you're in a brand new high school. It's only 60 years. Brand new. Yo, we were the only, like, class in our high school when it opened. That's so, crazy. when it was grade nine, we were the only grade nine students in the whole school. That's crazy. Yeah, I think there was three homerooms or something. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like a big, obviously, it's packed now. Right? Now, there's, like, 3,000 students in the school. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But, um... So yeah, the, hold so, on the moot court. Did they do in front? Did you have like a panel of twelve, or just like one judge or three judges? I think it was or? two judges that like they had like volunteer judges. Some of them were lawyers who were volunteering their time. Some of them were actually judges who just didn't have cases that That's day. It was really fun. Um, okay, so yeah, you after that. But then I went into Carlton for psychology because my really? grades weren't high enough for anything else. Well, I guess law has a little bit of psychology if you're doing litigation. A little bit. I remember when I was leaving high school. One of the one of the teachers there, you know what? Like some people would say this is terrible of him, but I think if anything, it really inspired me to kind of try my best because I found that every few years someone would come into my life and tell me I can't do something, and that's where I would get the the courage to like Just go and do that, that specific fire thing. Fire in you. So leaving high school, it was that one teacher, Mr. Snarry, told me that I shouldn't consider universities. Like maybe you're better cut out for college. Wow. <laughs> so I went and enrolled for university. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then first year of of university, the the professor for the Laws One Thousand class. I was enrolled in in psychology, but I was taking a law course. And the the professor for that law course basically told everyone, "Yo, it was a, it was a hall, like an auditorium of almost four hundred and fifty students. Like, wow, huge. The first year of class was always massive. And she's like, "Okay, I want everyone to stand up." So now you have a hall of like, there's so many students, man. The chairs don't accommodate. You have people standing in like the walkway. Yeah. So everyone's standing. She's like, okay, everyone on the left side and the right side, sit down. So they sit down. And then she's like, that's how many people are going to be left from this auditorium 
by the end of the second year. That's wild. That's actually good. that's pretty interesting. So then we're all like, now the tone of the auditorium really changed. The, the air got a lot heavier. You know, everyone's kind of stressing out at this point. All these people are there <laughs> just trying to see what they want in life now. Right? Exactly. And then she's like, okay, everyone in the back of the auditorium, sit down. She's like, third year, that's what's left. So now we're down to like a third of the auditorium. It's just the people sitting like halfway up. And I was sitting at the front of the class because I thought I couldn't see. So I was sitting at the front. I didn't <laughs> need the glasses at the time. And then she's like, okay, how many of you guys want to go to law school? So I think from that group of people that was like left at this point, 30 or 40 of us put our hands up. And then she's like, okay, everyone else sit down. You guys stay standing. So everyone sat down. She's like, that's how many people are going to actually graduate from this program, that's from this hard. auditorium. And then now I'm looking around, I'm like, yo, there's, we're down to 40 from 450. Yeah. This is not a good luck, you know? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna ram us down our throat with all yeah, this exactly. tough work and grueling. And like, yo, let's be real. This is just Carlton. It's not like a world-ranked university or anything. It's a good university, but it's not Harvard, right? Right. So I was like, okay. And then she's like, now, then she pointed at me and like two other students or something. And then she's like, I want everyone except for those three students to sit down. So now there's three of us standing. Yeah. And then she's like, from everyone in this hall, three students are going to law school. Three students That's are going to apply to law school. And then she's like, she pointed at one person in the middle. She's like, you sit down. And then there's two of us. And she's like, two are going to get in. Wow. <laughs> That's actually wild. And the thing is, she wasn't wrong. She was, yeah, she was telling She really truth. wasn't wrong. It really broke down just about that way. I so, graduated. But why law, though, is the question. I, I finished my Give first year. Give some context for people that are actually interested in law. Yo, honestly, it's just, it grew on me. I can't I can't say I had this, like, vendetta for, for any particular thing, or I really felt passionate about, like, justice. I, I don't have that. I just, it grew on Do me. Do you want to tell everybody the truth how boring court is? Court is great. It's not that you watch suits. <laughs> ah, objection. Court sustained, is the rejected, Forget it. Broken up. It doesn't work. It's not no, like that. Court, Bang that you know, court is the fun the part. Court. court is the fun part. It's the solicitor work. You know, like when people are like, oh, I, I do like uh, real estate law. That's boring. It's good paperwork. money, but it's boring. You know, that's not very exciting. It's all paperwork. When right? you're doing litigation, everything in law is paperwork. But when you're doing litigation, you have like, you know, you have a deposition or examination for discovery or whatever it might be where you're actually interacting with clients or with other side. Things are moving. Things are happening. And you yeah. get to really feel like you're flexing your like lawyer muscles to a, to a certain extent. So what do you think? Also, prestige plays a factor, I guess, saying I'm a lawyer. A hundred percent. I wanted I definitely always wanted something that was financially stable. And then, you know, when you're in an Arab household, it's lawyer, doctor, engineer, that's creme de la creme, bro. It's yeah. not always like that. <laughs> then you get the cab driver, the guy that works in, in concrete, and a chef here, delivery driver there. Yeah, but like when you're like when you're like growing up, you know, your parents are always like, "We want you to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer." That's a fact. You know, so I was like, okay, I had to pick one of them. We were farmers back home. We came here to give you a better life. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's crazy though. How many people I talk to that are from different countries, and then I have many that are employed here with me, right? But a lot of them, they get this weird notion. Everybody tells them, yeah, yeah, come to Canada, come to Canada. There's The trees are full of money. Just pick and go. Where yeah. did you get that bullshit? And then when they get here, I have a guy right now that uh, he's from uh, South America. 
And uh, he has a sibling that he's taking care of. And the only reason why he came here was to be able to provide for her. I don't know what happened with the family situation. Not my business anyways. Yeah. Wouldn't want to share it on a podcast either. But he said when he came here, he came here to be able to provide her and the child and whatever a better life. And the crazy part was he's realizing rent, bills, utility, eating, whatever. It's not cheap here, man. No. So you actually have to work like crazy to be able to offset the cost. You know what I think it is? I think it's that people still have this idea of Canada from like 25, 30 years ago. Where literally a minimum wage can take care of a family of four. Not only take care, but people were buying houses. Yeah. I was speaking with one of my family members two weeks ago. And they came here in, what year was it? Like 1965 or something, 1967. He bought his house for $7,000 Canadian. The interest rate was what a hundred percent. No, like I cal- I did the, I did the adjustment for inflation and everything because me and my cousin were having an argument. Like, is it cheaper or is it more expensive if you actually factor in like the the rate of inflation and everything? Man, like adjusted for money today, seven thousand, uh, in sixty five was around sixty five thousand dollars today. It's wild. So even adjusted for the rate of inflation, like cost of living has really skyrocketed. You a know? lot of people. Like, have- Listen, you know what? Everybody thinks self-employed, you're you're rich and everybody, you know, we make we make good coin. But even I, when I go to Costco and then you ring up the groceries, I'm like, 250 on what, bro? Yeah. yeah. I got like seven pieces, seven items in here. That's it. Yeah. So I was even talking, I was talking to Christina and a bunch of them here before about cost of living. And I was saying, you know what? We're entering difficult times. And at the end of the day, people can't expect employers that just pay these crazy wages. The Whatever you're getting paid by an employer, it's based on the skill, right? So Makes that's sense. why McDonald's workers and lawyers are not getting paid the same thing. Because at the end of the day, it's all skill-based. The higher the skill, the better the pay, right? You know what's crazy? I was applying for work recently. And then uh, one of the job postings, it was new call. So a new call is someone who's recently been called to the Ontario Bar as a lawyer. Yeah. And that's after you finish your licensing requirements. You know, you're, you're a lawyer at this point. So they wanted a new call with two years of experience or a year of experience in their specific practice area. Oh. And you know what their salary was? Their offering salary? They were offering $56,000 a year. That's insane. And I was like, I was like, and they wanted transcripts. They wanted uh, reference letters. They wanted like a whole slew of documents to prove that you were worth their time. And I was like, how can you even have the audacity to offer $56,000? For a new call, like for a lawyer, essentially. And let's be honest, how hard is it to actually get these jobs? It's, man, average applicants per position. You're looking at 2,000 people per position. Give a story, even one of your stories. What, about what? Applying for a job and there wants some ridiculous. Uh... Oh, man. I had one. I've I've applied for so many jobs in the last. So, okay, when you come, because I finished law school outside of Canada, I had to come back and do like a conversion, essentially. I had to do five exams or seven exams at the time to convert my degree. I did my conversions, and then I had to do what's called articling in my bar exams. I applied for eight months straight looking for an articling position. And keep in mind, articling is a requirement. So you you cannot get licensed unless you do articling. Yeah. Um, and there's no positions just being handed out by the law societies. It's purely a competitive process. I applied for, I think, 300 positions before I said, 
yo, either something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the system. 300. Right? Like it's, I can't, it can't, it's one or the other has to give. So I looked into a different program called the LPP run by Ryerson University. And I registered for that. And they basically do four, four months of practical training where they put you in a virtual law firm. They give you the skills to be a lawyer, similar to what you would learn in articling, like at an actual law firm. Yeah. And then they have their own pool of jobs that you can apply to against the rest of the students in the program. And you'd finish your last four months with that actual law firm implementing all the skills you learned during the program, right? It's a great program. It was fantastic. I learned a lot from it. But still, even that, it was there was 350 positions available. And that was on a rolling basis. So like, I think at the start of the program, there was like 110 positions available, but there was right. always 375 students. So by the end of the program, even then, you know, when you were like kind of guaranteed the safe pool of like jobs to kind of apply to, there was three people who, who had to roll over into the next year. They didn't get, they couldn't find a job. Same. Now at that point, it's like, did you really leverage all your tools and skills to get a position? Because I know I did. Because even at that point, I'd still applied to maybe 40 or 50 different positions just through that program. Right? That's incredible. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of those positions, here's the crazy part. A lot of those positions are unpaid. So you're being, you're competing for unpaid positions at some point. I, I got declined from an unpaid position because there's someone better than me applying for it. And on top of that, people have connections as well. Yeah. My so dad is so-and-so. It's a very nepotistic industry <clears throat> with a very talented pool of people applying for the same jobs. Because and you know, you have on top of that now you have. Um, I even heard there's also competition that are coming in. Let's say judges from other countries and yeah, we have. I have a lot of the same entry position as you guys are, and they already have 15 years of because experience yeah, in their respective industry in their country. Exactly because they need now. There is like they'll say, oh, there is articling exemptions and this and that, but not everyone gets an articling exemption. And then you end up in the circumstance where you're applying for the same level of position as someone who's run their own practice in like Nigeria for the last 15 years. I won't lie to you. I don't agree with internship. I don't agree with internship. Unpaid, everybody should get paid. I agree. I Absolutely. Agree. You know? Yeah. No, I, I would never be able to accept somebody just doing something for free just for the sake of being like, oh, I want the experience. Yeah. Because that's bullshit. Let's say in the end of the day, if that person, like the, let's say their billables are half a million dollars or on a thousand. I don't know anything in your industry, right? Well, let's just give some bullshit number like um, brand new intern was able to bill a hundred thousand dollars for their like for their time. He got zilch. Yeah, but he got the wealth of experience. But you still profited though. That's the thing. So everybody's entitled to. Uh, I should. I'd say everybody should be entitled to actually making a wage. Well, like when I was in Toronto and I was doing my my like second half of my articling over there, I was at a law firm in Toronto and they were paying me four thousand dollars Canadian a month, right? Which, and I think I was billing on average between twenty and $35,000 a month for him. Now, I'm not to say that I was entitled to any of that money. Yeah, That's not the, the argument yeah, I'm trying yeah. to make because I was learning. I was there to learn and I was training under him. Sure. But, you know, there was no recognition of the effort of like the nights until 2 a.m. of a lot of these things. And at the end of the day, when I finished my my six months with him, because he extended me twice or he extended me once, when I finished there, um, all right, well, on to the next student, right? So, like, for him, it was cheaper at face value to just hire another student, whereas he had already trained me. Had he kept me, 
I could have built more money. I was already bringing clients to the firm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like from a business point of view, it didn't make that's much sense. That's pretty big though. If you're actually bringing your own, that's actually massive if you're bringing your own clients. Yeah. Now it's, I don't know, it's weird coming out of COVID and everything, especially right now with the recession. I understand not everyone has the money to throw around on employees, but you know, it is what it is. So what would your advice be to anybody that's uh, looking to start out in law? Where? They, they just want to like, they're fresh out of university and they want to apply? Yeah. Don't. <laughs> I'm dead serious that's crazy don't go to law school if you don't absolutely love the law that's all I can say if you if you're gonna get into it for money it is very delayed gratification you're not gonna see that that investment pay off until 15 years or maybe 10 years down the line or if you're a fantastic lawyer whatever. and your grades are amazing six years down the line whatever you know yeah but if you want to make two hundred thousand dollars a year anywhere else go do sales sales is beautiful yeah you make a lot of money you have a lot of opportunity to travel if you're the kind of person who likes to travel with work don't go to law you are jurisdiction locked people i didn't realize this when i was applying because i didn't have any lawyers in the family to ask yeah but your jurisdiction locked. I always wanted a job where I could travel. Okay, sure, I can go to Dubai. I could work as counsel there, which I would love to do. Or, you know, I could go and apply for the U.S. State Bar and I could write the New York Bar and go down to New York. But, like, realistically, the barrier to entry is so high to switch jurisdictions that you really just end up practicing wherever it is that you live. So what kind of law are you looking to do? Practice, well, you're currently practicing. Right now, I'm doing a lot of uh, solicitor work. So I help out on real estate transactions. I help out on uh, business transactions, buying and purchasing and selling businesses. Um, I help with like franchising and franchise agreements. So that's kind of what my clients are right now. Uh, I do all that work with Marwa Law. And then we were also looking at starting open like a small litigation side of the firm, which I would be in charge of, but we're still feeling that one out. They're still on the talks. Yeah. Still feeling that out. How can anybody reach you if they wanted your services? They can either hit me up on the website. Uh, they can reach out by email, Which Instagram, marwalaw.com. Schedule an appointment there. We'll leave uh, We'll leave uh, the description. We'll yeah. leave that in the description there. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, when it, just to come back to the question, no. I, I don't recommend it. I can't. I can't in good faith recommend it unless you were, like, a nerd for the law. It makes sense, honestly. You know what? For from what I've seen, and obviously from what I've heard from you, it seems very grueling of a process. I don't think everybody's built for that either. No, definitely not. I you really gotta love it. Like at some point, I had to learn to love it because I knew I could take my skills anywhere else and and make money in the meanwhile. But I was just like, okay, you know what? It's actually something I enjoy doing. So I'm I'm here. I don't mind it. I don't mind my position. I'm happy where I am. You know, but like. If someone's 23, just out of university, and they're telling me, yeah, I don't really know what to do with my life. I'm not sure which way I should go. I was considering law school. I'd tell them, you know, really think hard about that. Because you're looking at like $120,000 invested, you know, like student which is, loans. Which is not cheap. It's, it's a big chunk of change. Yeah, and you can't really work during that time either. You know, law school <clears throat> is like a full-time job. Yeah. I, I can't recommend it, especially now. Well, let me ask you a final question since we're running out of time. If they've already finished law school, what would you? What kind of advice would you give them in just terms of actually just getting in the field? Push. Be the best version of you you can every single day. Learn everything. Be a sponge. That's it. 
Then how should they be able to find a job? How? I guess that's the that's apply. The Yo, game, you right? need a spreadsheet, and then on one side of the spreadsheet, you need all the firms you're interested in. On the other side of the spreadsheet, you know all the people you know, right? And then you take your network and you start making phone calls and you apply online because now everything's online. You can't just walk into a law firm <laughs> like you used to yeah. be able to and hand over your resume. I actually got kicked out of a law firm doing that once. <laughs> they told you apply online? Yeah. That's a, they that's told me, worse. not only that, they told me apply online and the receptionist like, by the way, did you graduate from Ottawa U? I was like, no. She's like, yeah, we don't, no chance. She's like, really? we only hire out of Ottawa U. You know what, Tom, come to the driving range. <laughs> Come see me and Sammy at the golf course. Come, come meet us hey, down you know, there. You never know. Maybe they should start going <laughs> golfing too, bro. There'll be some Uncle Phil Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's my recommendation. Go buy golf clubs. You know what? On another episode, we'll find out how golfing is right. I'm still sore, by the way. Man, it hurts. I couldn't believe it. I never believed. Okay, I'm very inactive, but four days it's been? I never thought golf was a sport. I'll I be honest so- with you. I was shot on it. I was like a football, soccer, this, yeah. that. Yo. <laughs> Anybody that talks shit anymore. <laughs> I won't lie. I had, a, I had a blast, man. It was so much fun. I had a blast. We have, I can't wait to go play our first nine together. I'm down. Yeah. No, I got to go to the We, we need a few more days at the range. A couple more times at the driving range. <laughs> be back. Guys, you heard it here first. Sammy Aborob, man. Pleasure to have you. Habib, it was a pleasure. Habib. Thank you so much. All right. <clears throat>